Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is time for the Soft, Hard, and Wet. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Las Vegas Grand Prix that just happened last weekend. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday night, so it's been a little while since the race, almost a full 48 hours, but we've had time to digest it all. I'm Tom Delicati here with John White as usual. John, how are you? I am, uh, I'm dandy, Tom, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that we took a full 48 because it took almost 24 just to digest the opening ceremonies. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was the first thing I wanted to ask you about. It's like, it, it, if you had to pick one element of the entire race weekend, what, what do you feel is like your standout moment? There were so many events to choose from. I feel like it was really difficult, but can I go with the uh, Max Verstappen podcast, but this time in an automobile versus a standard <laughs> cool down room? It was so, it felt so awkward to have them all crushed or, you know, scrunched together in the back seat. I mean, it's a nice car, it's a nice rolls, right? But it, it felt so awkward to see that. It felt most awkward for Checo, I believe, more than it did for anyone else involved. It seemed like Max and uh, and Charles were having a fantastic conversation and enjoying themselves, and Checo was just kind of staring out the window and didn't really uh, didn't really know what was going on. It was past his bedtime. It was past my bedtime. So it was a weird camera angle too. I felt like it was just it it was not uh, it was not flattering for anyone. And yeah, it did kind of make Checo look like he was kind of crunched in the corner. That seemed to be a theme all weekend for him, even on the on the introduction when they were, and now, Sergio Checo Perez. He was and screaming he was standing there. right into his face. <laughs> and then it Checo made didn't know what to do. The, made me think of the line, uh, why are you yelling? I'm a foot from you. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it was just an awkward weekend for Checo uh, in general, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on standout moments uh, or the standout moment for Las Vegas. I, I was giving some thought to this, and it was so predictable, I guess, but also just very cringeworthy. And it was the the teed up line. It was it was almost like you know how Jim Nance is like prepared. On the final round of the Masters, he knows what he's going to say when that ball drops on 18. He has given it so much thought. And Crofty had this teed up. God knows how long he's been thinking about this. But the what Verstappen's in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like, I can't get it out of my head. I can't unhear it. So it's just been it's been living rent free in my head since Saturday night. It's just banging on my eardrums and I can't get it out. I don't understand it. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I know that I should, but I don't. <laughs> it was just so bad. But there were, you know, there were quite a bit of things. I think I think Vegas was Vegas turned out to be like the Lance Stroll of Grand Prix. Like it's really easy to hate on everything that's happening, but by the time it's said and done, eh, pretty good little race. They're finishing P5 Lance Stroll. Like Vegas didn't really disappoint. I I overall I think I agree with you. The race especially it really helped the perception of uh this race weekend, I think. And it's not like it was a fantastic race. It was a good race. And I think they 
they got a lot of things right. I also think they got a lot of things wrong this weekend. And the good mm-hmm. news is we're going to get nine more tries, at least nine more tries to figure out what works and what doesn't in this particular event. Uh, Brady, uh, who was with us uh, last week, who did a fantastic job, by the way. Um, Kudos. Yeah, really liked having him on uh, with us. Enjoyed our conversation. But, uh, you know, the three of us last week were, you know, we're making fun of the upside down pig or that was that was primarily me, I guess, if we're just going to be honest. But it, it, it found I found myself it real easy to hate on Vegas because of all of the hype that they put around it and for all the things that they did wrong before the race and maybe even after the race. I felt coming away after watching that, that we've got a really good start to put something together that's going to be great for a long time to come. I think so, too. I think the big things, though, that we'll have to figure out will wind up being um, the the impact on the on the locals, like the setup and teardown. They're going to have to get better at that. And I'm not saying Monaco or Singapore or Azerbaijan have it all figured out, but they've it seemed like it was going to be easier, smoother and more seamless there at those street tracks rather than uh, what they've done in Las Vegas. So hopefully next year it'll be smoother and better. Well, and I think what what those three countries have on their side is they really look forward to hosting F1. They enjoy the race. The city makes an entire event out of it where... Yeah, you could see on the television that that Vegas was inundated with F1 fans, but I don't necessarily know that the the rest of the city was as on board with the race as, you know, these other cities that are that are hosting street tracks, but I I hope that after this event, you know, maybe they can get a little bit of a taste on on what Formula 1 can bring in for the weekend. Obviously, they're going to get better at at construction as time uh, goes on. And then maybe it's just one of those things that every year people, they look forward to, they give a little bit of, um, they give a little bit of grace, uh, for the event and it just gets better and better. From a hotel and casino standpoint, it's not like they're not making money hand over fist the other 51 weekends of the year. Like this isn't that huge of an impact for them to be like, oh, well, I've got to get every, I've got to squeeze every dime out of this as possible. I don't want people being able to, to see the track without paying a premium. I don't want people to be able to, to walk th- to this area of my hotel without paying a premium because it has access to, uh, you know, being able to see something. To me, it's like, that's a little excessive. And if you want people to enjoy being there, then don't try and squeeze them for every dime because you people will come and they will spend money. And like I said, the other 51 weekends out of the year are wildly profitable for Vegas hotels and casinos anyways, and restaurants and everything else that's around that area. So if they can make it a little less strict and stringent, but you're holding a race in the middle of a very, very busy pedestrian area, not just not just car traffic, but foot traffic. It is so dense in terms of the people and the amount of people who want to walk up and down that area that you are cutting off. I understand it's only for a couple of hours, but give me a break. Like you want to be more inviting. You want to to uh, generate more interest and more fandom. 
So make it a little more accessible. Make it a little more fan-friendly. At least that's the perception I got. So I've got a few things teed up that I want to ask you, and we can kind of go back and forth on this. But just in the spirit of Vegas, let's do win or bust and give me a little bit of context. Track layout. Win. I thought it was going to be a bust. Turned out to be a win. Lots more overtaking than we imagined, especially given the fact that we didn't think that DRS would have the impact that it did. But I I had no issues with the track layout. What say you? I think you're right. I think it was a win. And I think part of it was the DRS zones and the, the sizing of them because we didn't see a ton of overtakes on Las Vegas Boulevard that were cut and dried, done and dusted before that turn 14. They were all kind of going into the turn. And that was perfect. You want it to be at the end of that straight where the overtakes happen, not in the middle of the straight. So I think it was perfect. The DRS zones, at least. I think there could be some tweaks made to the track, but overall, it was a win. All right, now we get into some of the good stuff. Wednesday's opening ceremony. Absolute bust. <laughs> there, and I know we were texting about this, and we were saving it for this moment here. So I'm not going to go... I'm not going to, you said quick and I'm I'm not quick. So I'm just going to say it. Go. There were so many things that, in, that, that encapsulate the city of Vegas that could have been included with this opening ceremony. And also, I mean, if we're going to talk about an opening ceremony, maybe let's dedicate a more, you know, more than 45 seconds of a 30 minute ceremony to formula one and the drivers. If I want to go see a concert with, like a guy dressed up as a traffic cone, um, John Legend. <laughs> it was such a wild outfit. I loved it. Yeah, I loved like it. it was terrible. Like thirty seconds to Mars. <laughs> if I want to see that, I can. I can see that anytime back to back. There, you could have had more of a a ceremony instead of just a concert with driver intros that mirrored something out of uh, the Hunger Games. It was a bust. It was an absolute bust. I, I, when I was texting you about this, I originally said two thumbs up, and that was because of what I remembered from Miami. I thought, okay, they did a really good job here compared to Miami. I think there are a lot of things that they could have done better. I, I don't mind the musical performances, and I don't mind the eclectic mix of, of music. However, it's Vegas. You need to throw an Elvis impersonator up there. I need a Wayne Newton. I need a Blue Man Group, which they did have. And then I need some sort of Cirque du Soleil type performance. I, I needed that. You are 100% correct. You could not be any more correct with that statement. The light show, the, the DJ stuff. It was. I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I appreciated it and I enjoyed it. But they, they fell short. There were so many better ways that they could have done that. After further consideration, I'm going to agree with you here and go bust. I was going to disagree, but I think, I think you're right. You've convinced me that it was, it was a bust. Thank God, because your two thumbs up really had me worried. <laughs> you were thinking about that all weekend. I was. I was. All right. Uh, the, we've touched on this already. The Bruce Buffer driver intros. You got to. It's Vegas. Now, 
were there some awkward moments when drivers didn't know what to do or he was yelling in their face as we discussed earlier with Checo? Yes. But that's an iconic Vegas. I mean, that you got to do it. I like it. It's a win. <sighs> no. Thomas. Thomas, are you... Why do you look so sad right now? Oh, because I'm torn. Okay. Well, let's talk through it. Let's tell me your feelings, and let's just talk through it and see what happens. See what comes out. I was not crazy about it. I felt like okay. it was a little... Because he's doing it for 20 people in a row, and he's trying to sound like every one of them is the most amazing person on the planet, which I get. That's his job. But it just was for 20 people in a row. It was just a little much for me. It reminded st- me of a Royal Rumble. Yeah. It's like, why are we introducing all of them this way? And I like how they broke it up with, uh, oh gosh, uh, Natalie Pinkham, who was out there interviewing people every now and then. You know, I think she picked four or five drivers to interview. So that was okay. And that kind of gave me a, a moment to catch my breath. But it's like, this just feels very forced. The reason I'm going to say it was a win is because it was better than LL Cool J in Miami. So it's more like a push. I don't really feel I mean, like if I we're going to go option. Vegas on it. Yeah, but I don't really feel like I have that option. Times of day for sessions. There's only one right answer, and that is that's an absolute bust. It was way. I agree. It was. I, listen, I can't watch a. A, a qualifying at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I can, but I'm 41 years old. I go to bed at nine 30 at night. Like, what do you expect from me people? Well, I think, I think that a lot of folks, you know, the European market didn't mind that at all because it was mid morning for them. That was a nice time of day for them to watch qualifying. All of us in, in central time and on the East coast, there was no chance. It in formula one's defense cater to the largest demographic you have, which is not the United States. So I get it. Like, hey, we've got one in the States. If you're nearby, you can come to it. The only thing I will say is I think it was a little rough on the people who were there locally, fans and drivers. I feel like you need to back it up probably about two hours. The impact to that uh, area of town would be minimally different at 8 p.m. versus 10 p.m. That is what's going on this weekend. There were no MMA fights or huge concerts or anything like that. It doesn't matter. Just shut it down earlier. Let them have a reasonable night race and let the fans appreciate a reasonable night race, not a race that's ending at midnight local time. Qualifying session. I'm going to say it was a bust, but I think that had to do with teams being a little overthinky that's a an american word we're going to use about when to be out on track trying to manage tire temps and traffic i don't know if i could say it was good but it wasn't as bad as i was expecting we were having brady on last week and he said it was going to be probably the reverse we were going a reverse of monaco we were going to have poor boring qualifying and a great race and we didn't have a well, we didn't have poor qualifying. I thought it was decent because you had the shakeup in the top 10. I think it was 
not necessarily decent from an on-track perspective, but it was decent in terms of the results we got out of it. It was interesting to me that you've got two Williams cars in the, in Q3. You've got a Haas, you've got both Alpines. It was, or no, one Alpine, I'm sorry. But it was wild. I mean, it was absolutely wild. And no wild. Checo? Yeah, it was wild how it shook out. I thought it was great. So this weekend we saw Leclerc get pole, but we saw Red Bull walk away from the race with a confirmed 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship. First time that's ever happened for Red Bull. I'm happy for them. I think it was well-deserved, and I'm, I'm thankful that Checo was able to hang on to P2 for this season because he had a quite an up-and-down season. But congrats to Red Bull on the 1-2 and as well as the Constructors' Championship that they've had locked up since Japan, I think. You know, maybe not so much for Red Bull, but individually. You know, when Checo doesn't make Q3 and starts 11th and finds his way leading the race for a few laps, definitely could have been... He definitely could have finished P2. Uh, You know, him and Charles were, were fighting quite a bit towards the end there. He was just... He had the better machine, but he didn't. He wasn't the better driver, uh, which to me is kind of concerning. And I know we've gone back and forth because if you go back, what four or five episodes, I was defending Checo and saying, you know, what what else do you want out there? Like the guy's ranked, he's he's ranked second in the driver's standings. He's down in a slump. Maybe he's going to get out of it. And he's one that I just I kind of struggle back and forth with him because, yeah, he's finished second, but he's also like he's in the best machine out there on the track. He should finish second. So what more do you want from him? Do you want him to just be scoring more points? Like, should he be closer to Verstappen? What do you want from him? I don't know. I don't know. You just know that it's not this. I, I, I just know that there's, I sit there and I think to myself, like if there, what other drivers could be in that seat and perform more consistently better? And, and, like, and, I don't, uh, and also a driver that would choose to be in that seat. And that's where I think that's where that's where the issue lies is a driver that would choose. To, are there better drivers out there that could score more points? Yes. But then scoring more points does what? They've already finished first in the constructors. They're already one, two. But, but that yeah, final, I, you know, that final. Lap, OK, so I have a hot opinion, though, because that final lap uh, overtake where Charles passed. Sergio going into that final or not final, but uh, turn 14. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard people talk about how, wow, did, did Checo just fall asleep there? He knew he was coming on the inside. He didn't even try to defend him. Was that a fantastic move from Charles or was it a lazy defense on Paris? What do you think about that? I've watched it a few times and yeah, I'm with you. It's almost as if Checo didn't know that Charles was coming for the overtake at that time. But if you're going through the number of turns and the fact that he was in DRS trailing him, you knew that he only had, what, two positions left in order to kind of legitimately overtake him unless they were going to try to do it on the straight. But the straight, as you had mentioned earlier, the overtakes were happening towards the end at the turn because of the impact that DRS wasn't having. So, I mean, you can see when he got out 
when he started the race, he didn't really seem like he knew what was going on. When he was in the Max Verstappen car podcast, whatever you want to call it, he didn't really seem like he knew what was going on. I think I think he just got brain fog. I think it was towards the end of the night. It was late. He had some brain fog, and he got passed. I don't I, I don't know if you see anything different than I did. Well, it's not that I necessarily see something different. I'm thinking different. And what I mean by that is Checo has been under pressure for the last, I don't know, 10 races. I mean, it's just been weekend after weekend where it's like he's not performing how he should. He's not qualifying where he should. He's not finishing races. He's making dumb mistakes. And over the last few races, it's gone back and forth whether or not he's going to hold on to P2 in the driver's championship. I think if I am in his shoes, I don't care if it's the last lap of the race or not, he has put himself in a great position. Don't screw it up, man. If he's going to get past, I'm not going to pull a Russell and turn into him. I'm not going to crash out on the last lap and have people ridicule me more. I'm going to play it safe. He can go ahead and take this podium. It is not affecting me one bit. It's not affecting my team's championship status. It's not affecting me personally. Whether I get 18 points or 15 points from this race, I'm still securing P2 in the driver's championship. Go ahead and pass me. And the more I look at the overtake with that in mind, the more I see, oh gosh, that makes total sense. He's not going to fight it. So we're talking about playing it safe. And when we're looking at the driver standings uh, right now, you know, we've got some exciting things happening between uh, Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso. And obviously a big topic of discussion this week was Aston Martin, Alonso and Stroll. Alonso starting ninth, finishing ninth, Stroll finishing fifth. I mean, we've seemed to talk about Lance more and more over the past couple of episodes. What's I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's clicked for them over the past few races that, especially for Lance, didn't click in the first, oh, I don't know, eight? I really don't know. I think changing the spec on the car has helped him a ton, but I don't know if that's everything. I think he was very fortunate and had a great strategy this weekend. Time, the, the safety car timing was very beneficial for him and Sergio, as we talked about uh, with, with Checo earlier. My main concern as a McLaren fan is the now back and forth. It seemed over with. After after Coda, it seemed like there's no chance with the form McLaren were in versus the form that Aston were in, McLaren was just going to walk away with fourth place in the constructors. And now we've all kind of come back together. I, what is it? Nine points, 11 points? It's I'm not looking at 11 it right points. Now. It's 11 points. So McLaren now has an 11-point lead for fourth place with one race to go. And after Lando decided to uh, get friendly with the walls, it just seemed like it was going so well for McLaren. And they're, they're getting in their own way. And, and not only that, Aston is finding something. They're, they're rekindling their early season form at the right time and it could wind up just absolutely crushing me. Uh, there's no, there's no other way to put it. If, if McLaren loses P4 in the constructors' championship, that will crush my soul. 
Yeah, it's a, I think it's an interesting battle going into Abu Dhabi because, like you said, Aston Martin has found something in these past few races. I mean, look at Lance Stroll. He scored, what, 10 points in the first seven races, and he scored 20 points in the last two combined. So that's big. Historically, you've you've got a you've got a teammate who has done nothing and is now finding his way a little bit. Fernando seems to be in the points the past few races, so he's adding. Lando You got a has podium unfor- in Brazil. Yeah. Uh Lando has an unfortunate incident with the wall. I would say though, lucky luckily for McLaren, Piastri was on fire. He had a fantastic race in Vegas. I really wish that they would have played that a little bit smarter and pitted him under the safety car because you're just, and I get it. You're hoping for a a late safety car to get a cheaper pit stop and not have to drop so many places, but you knew you didn't put on a different tire compound. You're hanging him out there. You're hoping it goes well. I mean, it's nice to have him come out and get fastest lap, but you went from one point to two in doing that. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, it I mean, hindsight definitely is twenty twenty because here I was last week saying that I'm pretty sure that all the standings are done and the last two races are going to be a bit of a formality. And, you know, now we're sitting here talking about Aston Martin and McLaren battling over who's going to finish fourth in constructors and a very similar battle taking place between Ferrari and Mercedes, uh, Mercedes at three ninety two, Ferrari at three eighty eight. Um, both of these teams, um, are having odd finishes to the season. Obviously Mercedes, the last two races did not do very well. Uh, especially on these quicker tracks, they seem to have a bit of a, uh, I believe it was described as a parachute attached to their automobile. Um, however, Ferrari have obviously with Charles, uh, finishing second, um, Carlos on the receiving end of a very unfortunate, uh, penalty due to some manhole covers that weren't exactly pinned down correctly. Um, it, I like Ferrari's chances moving into the last race of the season um, to gain some points and overtake Mercedes. Uh, but what say I'm you? I'm sorry. Thomas? Did you just say you like Ferrari's chances to do something right? I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. <sighs> yes. Yes, I do. And I know that I'm going to be wrong. But I just, I don't like Mercedes. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with Ferrari. I like Charles. I like Carlos. Um, I feel so like maybe Ferrari's it's just me a little more. Them. I feel like Ferrari's a little more the underdog story in this particular instance. And so, yeah, I would pull for them as well. Do I expect them to do it? Hell no. But would it be fun for it to happen? Absolutely. I'm all for it. Let me see it. Somehow or another, I just I picture you in your living room and like a samurai kimono with a sword in front of you. And you're just waiting for the last few laps to figure out, are you falling on the sword or do you live to fight another day? Like, I feel <laughs> like my, this is a, quite an event. I, in my papaya colored samurai kimono. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, I definitely. If anyone definitely out there see that. wants to order me a papaya and blue 
samurai kimono. I will wear it on Sunday, guaranteed. Well, I don't know if I can get it here by Sunday, but I might have just uh, put something down on Tom's Christmas list uh, <laughs> as I'm thinking of ideas uh, to send you as a present under the tree. I, 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 I'm going to go against you on this because I know we're not picking for it right now, but we've found ourselves in this situation. I'm, I'm willing to bet you, I'll bet you dinner that Ferrari overtakes Merck. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I think I'd love to see it happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, a steak dinner be on the line for us. Whoa, Mickey. steak dinner. Holy moly. You're just... Ratcheting we're not betting up. anything else this year. We we already got a bunch of point standings we're going to go over later that we haven't figured out what they're for other than That's just fair. bragging right. So I figure something like this, we might as well steak dinner. enjoy ourselves because either way, both of us are going to win. Can I know we talked about Red Bull already. And I didn't, I was waiting for you to bring this up and you didn't. So just to show how level-headed and fair I am, turn one, Max and Charles, he's done that a couple of times this season where he purposefully goes so wide as to push them off the track. And whenever I say he, I'm talking about Max, my driver. Your boy. And I understand what he's doing, but it's... It seems like it's a little uncalled for and a bit too aggressive leading into turn one. And I don't think that he needs it to establish dominance and and victory. I know why he does it to create the space in between them, but I don't like it. I don't know what else to say other than I don't like it. And obviously it was like either give the position back or take a five second penalty Horner's like, take the penalty. We're, we're going to be far enough ahead where we think that five seconds isn't going to have an impact on the race, which just shows the, it just shows like how much confidence they have in Max and their car and how little confidence they have in Ferrari, I guess. But I just, and I know we've talked about penalties before, so I don't want to harp on it, but it just, was it fair? I, you could argue it was fair because there were options there, but I just, Something about it didn't sit right with me. I think you got to give the place back. I think it has to happen on track. If you overtook him off the track, which both cars were off the track, and you gained position, you have to give the place back. There should be no option for a penalty. It should be, you have to give the place back, period. If you don't, straight to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> no, I think I think that's the only logical thing to do is is that you you need to settle it on the track and so if you overtook him off the track you gotta give it give the place back and make a legal overtake on the track the whole and remember this too the five second penalty that he was given first of all why did it come like five laps later this is something that could have been decided almost immediately yo you were both off the track i know they were dealing with other carnage at turn one lap one with fernando alonso and how funny was it? This is anecdotal, but how funny was it that Valtteri Bottas just popped him again once they were facing each other? He's like, and boom, we're going to hit again. <laughs> a little, a little <laughs> and it was like, just uh, a little I'm kiss. Not, just like, I'm not going in reverse. You go in reverse. <laughs> You're the one facing the wrong Yeah, it way. was like they were playing reverse. a little bit of chicken there. Yeah, nobody. Was funny. Everyone was uh, losing, yet we were all winning. 
So I understand that they, the stewards had their hands full, but that is something that is that should have been settled within lap one, if not lap two at the latest. And it wasn't until lap five or six that we got the ruling of Max got a five second penalty. Well, he should have given the place back like right away. He was already two and a half seconds up the road at that point. So yeah, the only thing you can do was uh, give him a five second penalty. To be fair, the five second penalty does not affect Red Bull or Max the same way a five second, especially on lap one, the same way that a five second penalty affects Mercedes or Ferrari or McLaren or Aston Martin or any one of those other teams because they don't have as dominant of a machine. I'm with you. It doesn't have as big of an effect. And as a Max fan and probably not playing devil's advocate, but arguing for the other side, I think probably what people would have said is, yeah, it it doesn't matter because Max would have won the race anyway, whether he gave the position back or whether he took the five-second penalty, which he did. Either way, he was going to win the race. But as we've figured out this year, it's not... So far, this season hasn't necessarily, outside of two races, been who wins the race, but how they win the race. And giving the position back would have been, A, the fair thing to do and the right thing to do. It would have made for a bit more exciting race at the top for a few more laps. Could Max... And would Max probably have overtaken Charles and won the race? Yeah, it probably would have happened. But that, but we're not we're not making decisions based on whether or not they have an impact on the outcome. We're making decisions in accordance to what the rules say. And I'm with you. I think the position should have been given back. So last week we previewed Vegas and we gave our predictions. You want to review that? You want to go through those? Thank God we didn't bet on them. Pole position. We'll start with uh, our guest, Brady. He had Sergio Perez in pole position. Sergio, if you remember, did not make it into Q3. So therefore, he started outside of the top 10, which, according to my math, is not pole position. So no points there. John, you had Lando Norris. Now, he didn't make it out of Q1. So again, according to my math, no points there. But Tom... Tom chose Charles. Charles, is that right? So two points for me there. Two big, big points for me there. Those are big points. You should be quite proud of yourself. That is, I believe that's two straight pole positions that I've gotten correct. So Brady for P3, and we just talked about them, how they fell back down to earth. Brady was hoping that Alex Albon would get on the podium. Not so fast. John, you had Fernando Alonso. He didn't do so well either. Mm-mm. Who finished third in the actual race, though? See, he was running second for the long time mm-hmm. and then wound up third. And in my predictions, I had him third. So that's another point for me. You're on fire. I'm, I'm going to call you Oscar Piastri currently because that's... <laughs> You're just you're weaving your way up through and overtaking all of us right now in these rankings. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves because Brady in P2 had Lando Norris. You had Lando Norris. I boldly chose Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. 
You both chose Verstappen to win the race. Congratulations. Those are three big points for both of you. And my choice to win the race is Lando Norris, and he did not complete five laps. So what I've decided, we're about to do our Abu Dhabi predictions. What I have decided, I will never choose for Lando Norris. I will never predict Lando Norris to win a race again because I've done it two or three times in these predictions, and each time he has had horrible races because I've done it. So I'm taking one for the team here, and I'm never predicting Lando Norris to win a race again. Oh Well, hold on. Let's be fair. Your issue here isn't in predicting Lando to win a race. It's for picking against Max. Mm. I see what you did there. Um, we are we are heading into the last race of the season like Max and Lewis. I mean, we are tied. This is the championship. Pick wisely. All right, well, let's rapid fire him. Pole position in Abu Dhabi. I should have thought more about this given the championship on the line, but I'm going to go pole for Carlos. I'm going Max. All right, P3. Lando. Checo. It's so hard to predict because I feel like the last couple races have had a different second fastest car each time. And so it's really hard to predict. But I think Lando comes back and gets back on the podium. I'm taking him third just because second is a big ask. But I do think Abu Dhabi is a better track for them. A little more high-speed corners. I think the McLaren's going to be better. Give me Carlos P3. Give me Carlos. I'm making a last-minute change. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Thank you. P2. P2. I'm going with Checo. Oh, gosh. I don't know if he can string two in a row together but I'll go with Leclerc. Ferrari will stand in their own way in constructors, but not individually, and I like it. Well, that only leaves P1. Who is, uh, who's taking home the Golden Goose? I don't know what they give in, Qatar, uh, in uh, Abu Dhabi. What is, what's the, the, did they name the trophies, or is it? It's a handful of get... sand. All right. Handful of sand in Abu Dhabi. Hey, did you know while we're picking these that the people in Qatar or Qatar, they don't like the Flintstones, but the people in Abu Dhabi do. Oh, boy. I love you so much. (laughs) We might have to cut that, but if we don't, I'm taking Max. I'm going to do the safe bet and pick Verstappen too, just because I think that if we're going to uh, try and settle this, it shouldn't be for the win in our prediction challenge. It should be for where can we get the other things right. And pole position P2 and P3 is where I think this thing will be settled. Just like it has been all season, we've known Max will be first. So let's just uh, let everybody else battle it out underneath them. So just to recap, For pole, I took Verstappen. First place, I took Verstappen. Second place, Leclerc. Third place, Norris. And you have Carlos Sainz on pole, Verstappen for the win, Perez for second, and Sainz to round out your podium. And then we get off season. And don't worry, we'll have plenty of content. We'll have plenty of time to to share our thoughts and feelings. We're going to do some 
some fun things at the end of the season, talk about our favorite race, maybe give out some some driver grades, some race grades, and maybe even just share some some personal stories. And it'll be fun times through the offseason as we go towards testing in the beginning of the year. So until next week, when we do our Abu Dhabi review and some end of the season stuff, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time.